a reading from Acts. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and a great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a reading from John's first letter. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testified to it, and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and we do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Judeans, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. 
Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Now last week we were all here, there were probably some more too. We were all here last week and last week we heard this is what happened. This week we hear this is what it means. I mean it's a lot to take in that, that Jesus rose from the dead. I mean we, we were there with the women who who went to the tomb and saw the tomb was empty. We were there with John and Peter when they went to the tomb and, and saw the tomb empty. We were there in the garden when Mary Magdalene said, said oh my Lord, and realized it was Jesus after he called her name. We, we heard that. We heard what happened. But this week we hear what it means. Not just what it meant, meant to the disciples who were in that room, but what it means to you and me as well. Now, the story that we just heard in the gospel lesson, the story takes place on Easter day, not a week later. I mean, I understand we're here a week later, but it was on the day of resurrection that evening. The men and women who were Jesus' disciples were all together in that upper room and the door was locked. Why? Because the Judeans, they were all Galileans. It's, it's a little like uh, uh, bumpkins, you know. They were kind of strangers in Jerusalem. And so, so Judeans uh, are sort of suspicious of, of, of Galileans. I mean, it, it, in some circles, probably not this one. But in some places, it's like saying they were Aggies, you know. <laughs> in some places. Probably not this one. Anyway, they were together in this room because they were afraid of the Judeans. The Judeans had captured Jesus, had arrested him, had beat him, flogged him, spit on him, done all kinds of nasty things, and then killed him, and he was dead. And they had seen that. In fact, not only had they seen that, they ran away because of that. Well, half of them did. The women stayed. The women didn't run away. Women were not as, as liable to be arrested, even if they were part of, a, of a, an illegal group or something. They weren't as liable to be arrested because they didn't have any power anyway. But the men all ran away because they were liable 
to arrest. So they were gone. We, I mean, we, we read the story of the women at the cross. We read it before last uh, Sunday. The women who were at the foot of the cross, and they saw Jesus hanging there, and they were weeping and all that kind of stuff. But the men and the women in the upper room were all afraid, no matter what, whether they had run away or not. They were all in that upper room, and they were scared to death. And not only were they scared to death already, but as if that isn't enough, Jesus appears in the midst of them. Now they're really scared. At least half of them are. Because just when he needed them the most, they ran away. Not only did they abandon him, one of them betrayed him, and one of them even denied that he knew him. Imagine doing that to a friend of yours and then having to face that friend. O-M-G. Imagine what you would feel like if that friend suddenly showed up and he knows and you know just exactly what you did. And those disciples know that when Jesus shows up in every one of their heads, there is this thought, although it's not in the Bible, there is this thought that Jesus' first word to them will either kill them or save them. And Jesus' first word to them is peace. Peace be with you. Not just peace between you and me, which is important enough, but peace to the whole group of you. Peace to those that you go and talk to about me. Peace to the whole world. That's the first thing about the community that, that Jesus is, is forming at this point. The community that Jesus wants to come into being, which has resulted, by the way, in you and me being here today, that community is based in part on peace. Not conflict, not fear of an angry God, but peace. That's the first thing. He shows them his hands and his side, and the marks are still there. And Jesus is more fully present to them than he has ever been. And he says to them, as God sent me, in that same way, I am sending you. Well, no pressure there. As God sent Jesus to be the Messiah, the one who would save all of Israel, so Jesus sends his, his community out into the world to save the world. Hey, no problem, I got this, right? So sending this community is what Jesus is there to do. It's based on peace. And then he says to them again, peace be with you. And then he says something very interesting to them. He says, if you retain 
the sins of any. Oh, wait a minute, I skipped a part, didn't I? He says, peace again. And then he did the thing that you all do when you, when you get together with friends, you know. He breathed on them. When you're there together with friends, do you breathe on them? Got to tell you, I don't. I mean, even if they come over to my house, I don't breathe on them. He breathed, and we, and we read it like, and then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, like it's de rigueur. I mean, like, like we do this all the time. No. He breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, it's a little bit of a pun because the word spirit in Greek and in Hebrew is the same as the word for breath or wind. You've heard that before because it's common for preachers to show you how much they know by saying that. But, but the thing is, he says, receive this Holy Spirit, this Holy breath, this Holy movement. Receive it into your community. And that's the second basis of this community. The Holy Spirit enlivens and inspires us. And to be inspired, inspired means to have spirit or breath or wind in you. And so we are based not only on peace, but also on this holy inspiration, this Holy Spirit, the Spirit that is there to strengthen us, to make us bold in a scary world because I got news. My world is frightening. Your world may not be frightening, but my world is pretty frightening a lot. All I have to do is turn on the TV, which I don't do very often, but I, but I read the news and that's bad enough. The world is dark. And the world is hoping that somebody, like you, is going to come along and give it some good news. And then Jesus says something very interesting. He says, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. Just because you say it makes it so. The only place I know that that's the truth is in my own house. And it's not really true. It's only my wife. When she says it, that makes it true. If you say it, that makes it true. This community of peace, this community of spirit, this community that is inspired, this community is supposed to be based on forgiveness. If it wasn't enough to hear Jesus say as, as they were nailing him to the cross, Father, forgive the people who are killing me. If that wasn't enough, this seals the deal right here. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. There is no higher authority. You speak for God when you forgive the sins of any. You may never have thought of it this way, but that's the greatest power in the world. That's a power greater than nuclear weapons. That's a power greater than economic uh, power. 
To turn evil into good? To make sure that evil does not have sway over you? That's power right there. And when we bring these children in here and they come up to this font and, they, we, and we pour water on them and we wash them of their sins and Jesus takes away their sin, we give them that same power. Oh my goodness. How can we dare to do that? Because Jesus told us to. Jesus said, when you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. So this community has got to be based on peace. It has got to be based on being inspired, and it's got to be based on forgiveness. Now, i got to talk about Thomas. This is, after all, St. Thomas Church, right? I would be brave indeed if I didn't talk about Thomas today. Thomas is there. Thomas was not there at the, at the beginning, uh, in, the, in the first iteration. But a week later, which is today, a week later, Thomas does show up. Now, I don't know why he wasn't there the first time. Maybe he was out getting groceries or, or maybe he went to a movie. I don't know. But he was not there on the first, the first time that Jesus showed up. But Thomas is there the second time, and it's the same scenario. They're in the same room. The doors are locked because they are afraid, and Jesus appears among them and says to them, peace be with you. And even though it's not in the Bible, I know what Jesus said next. I have it on the very best authority that Jesus said, thank God Tommy is here. (laughs) See, the thing is, Thomas wanted to believe. You've heard, you've heard people say that. Thomas wanted to believe in Jesus. But Thomas was one of those guys that wants to be certain. And, and you know what the symbol of Thomas is? What's the symbol of Thomas? A what? A ruler. A, a carpenter's square. If he can measure it, then it's true. If he can see it, if he can count it, then it's true. You've known people like that. Maybe you've been like that sometimes. I've been like that sometimes. How many of you have prayed the prayer? You don't have to raise your hand. But unless I miss my guess, you have prayed the prayer that says, Lord, just tell me what you want me to do and I promise I'll do it. You've prayed that prayer, haven't you? Of course you have. God, just tell me what you want me to do, and I promise I'll do it. Do I take this job or that job? Should I study mathematics or science? Should I go into English lit, or do I major in Spanish? Just tell me, God, what you want me to do, and I promise I'll do it. That's what Thomas was like. He wanted to know. He wanted to be sure. Jesus shows up and doesn't even say, oh, so Thomas, you wanted, to, you wanted to be sure? He doesn't even say that. He says, come here, Thomas. And he throws his arms around him, maybe figuratively. He throws his arms around Thomas and says, come into the community. Come in and be part of us. We are people of peace. We are people of the Spirit. We are people of forgiveness. Come in. Come in. Come in. Jesus is giving us a new covenant. 
Now, covenant is not a word, we, we hear it sometimes, you know, in churchy circles. But a covenant is different from the way we live most of our lives, you see. Most of our lives are, living, are lived contractually. You go to school and your, and your teacher says, here's the homework. And, you're, and the, the contract says, the teacher says, here's the homework. You go home, you do the homework, and you hand it in, right? There are consequences if you break the contract, you know? You get a D or whatever. Or the teacher calls you aside and fusses at you. Or you have to go into detention or whatever it is. That's what a contract is like. You have an agreement with the teacher. That's what a contract is like. If David is driving down the road in his car and I'm driving in my car, there's a white line, dotted white line between us. And the contract says David stays on his side of the road and I stay on my side of the road. And we're going down the road together and everything's fine until somebody crosses the line. Then we have to call the insurance company or the police or whatever it is, and we have to take care of it some other way because why? Somebody has broken the contract. Oh, and boy, do I know what your responsibilities are if you break the contract, right? That's the way we live most of our lives. But Jesus is giving us a covenant. A covenant is vastly different. It's an agreement between two parties, but that's about where the comparison ends. The covenant recognizes that you have your part to play and I have my part to play and they are different. They are vastly different. And if someone violates the covenant, the, one, the other one comes after them, not with a stick, not with a lawsuit or the police, comes after them saying, come back, come back, come back. See, because the purpose of a contract is to make you smart, you know, is to get you to graduate. The purpose of the contract is for us to get to our destination safely. It's, out, it's, a, it's a, an external purpose, but the purpose of the covenant is the covenant. The reason to be in the covenant is to be in the covenant. The reason that I'm married to my wife is to be married to my wife. Jesus says to Thomas, come in, come in, come in and stay with me. Thomas, you've been with me all this time. Stay with me now. Stay with me because I will be with you to the end of the ages. And not only that, you believe because you see me. But boy, there are people who are blessed, who have believed even when they have not seen me. Even when all they did was listen to a sermon or pray a prayer or hear beautiful music. Even when their faith has come from somewhere else, blessed are those people. See, John wrote this. Thomas, the story of Thomas only appears in John. John wrote this almost 100 years after these events happened, 80 years, 70, 80 years after this, these events happened. And John was writing to a community that was in undergoing a brutal persecution. And these are people who were born way after Jesus had died and gone to heaven and all that kind of stuff. And all they were doing was hearing the stories. That's all they could do because Jesus was no longer physically present in the world. 
So John writes this story to these people and has Thomas come to faith in this way as a way to point out that they can come to faith and be blessed in a way that Thomas couldn't. Thomas believed because he saw. You believe even though you haven't seen. Wow. Jesus says, you are blessed, you who have believed and not seen. So this community that we are in, you and I, this community has as its basis peace. It has as its basis the Spirit. And it has as its basis forgiveness. Now, we, are West, we Westerners have a hard time sometimes with, uh, with terms like forgiveness because over against forgiveness is unforgiveness, you know, and we don't know, we don't know what the sound of one hand clapping is, right, like the, like the, the Buddhists do. So, so we, have to, we have to take these terms like peace and inspiritedness, which isn't really a word, I guess, but you understand what I mean, and, and forgiveness, and we have to embody them in a way that draws people in. For every empty seat here today, for every empty seat, there is somebody out there, as a matter of fact, there's probably a dozen out there. For every seat, there are lots of people out there who are hungry to be involved and be included in this kind of community. They may or may not have the ability to express that. But Jesus said, as the Father sent me, that's how I'm sending you. You wanted to be part of this community when you were still catching fish. You may not have realized you wanted to be, but you did. When you were still a tax collector, you wanted to be part of this community. And so here we are, you and I. We're here listening to this story and we're listening to the foundation and the basis for our community and we realize we are being sent just like Jesus was sent. Not to first century Palestine, but to 21st century Southeast Texas. And we will go out from this place and maybe we'll just go to brunch and forget we heard anything. But maybe we'll go out and we'll find Thomas or someone who is hungry, who is bleeding to be in a community like this. And maybe we will invite them to come to a community like this and be part of the community that spreads peace, that enjoys the Spirit, and that forgives so that the whole world may believe and know that Christ is risen.